Welcome to The Interview, where we share inspiring career stories and advice from experts and thought leaders on any and all topics, everything from college admissions tips to the latest medical and self-care advice. I'm host Leslie Heaney, and I'm excited to share these compelling stories with you. I hope you'll learn something new and hopefully share a few laughs along the way. Today, we're talking with world-renowned photographer and one of my oldest and favorite friends, Douglas Friedman. Described as the it boy of the design world for his high-profile fashion and interiors photography, Douglas is famous in his own right. He's got a fanatical Instagram following and a portfolio of work of celebrity and interior shoots for magazines like Architectural Digest and Elle Decor. As an old friend of mine from college, you'll get to hear how Douglas went from looking for his passion and life's work to becoming one of the most celebrated interior design and architecture photographers of a generation. And now, Douglas Friedman. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. Um, Let's take it from the top. Okay, Les. Where did you grow up? I mean, I, of course... I should say to the audience, know the answer to these <laughs> questions. But um, I think it's um, it's important to get a full understanding of the origin of, of Friedman. So um, I was born in New York Hospital in 1972. So and I grew up on the Upper West Side. And you have um, a twin brother. I do. He was born in 1972. Too. Sa- same time, same day. Just four minutes later. And there's an older sister. There's a mom and a dad who are incredible people actually all of them they are incredible i got lucky i gotta say i got i think we all got lucky with good families like good people we can talk about that (laughs) offline but in your case i that's a hundred percent and i actually i didn't tell you this but a couple maybe it was last month i went to the bono show Mm -hmm. and i i couldn't get to him but i'm pretty sure i saw gene walking out the side door (laughs) as only he would because i also walked out the side door because it was the fastest way out i'm like ooh, who else oh it's gene it could have been my father yeah i'd ask him they're out of town yeah okay so you grew up in new york and you went to i went to i went to um i went to an crazy i went to an all-boys catholic school for 12 years collegiate right collegiate yeah. yeah Yeah. Collegiate when it was, I think when collegiate was cool, when it was in like the old building, when there was this old church, when you had to like sit on a floor where the classrooms weren't big enough, where it wasn't very fancy, but it was. And now it's, it's. Well, they moved. Yeah. They moved, they moved campuses and they, you know, they moved to some fancy big glass building in that weird neighborhood. That's not like a made up neighborhood. Like if you're a New Yorker, it's a made up neighborhood. It was like, it's like Riverside Drive in the like high fifties, which never existed as anything in New York City. And then it... Oh, you're right. See, I didn't realize it moved. They moved. Not they, that I've got my finger on the pulse of every you well, know, if you have school's kid, location. If you have but kids, I, you'd think but about yeah, it. Yeah. And, you know, they moved. They moved to, okay. a, to a non like a nondescript new glass building, which was completely the antithesis of the school I went to, which was like a 360-year-old church. Yeah, I forgot about the that. Time. And then when you were there, though, were you doing anything in the art? In the arts? I mean, I, I mean, I was was I creative. There was just an air. There was just some air quotes on create. I mean, creative. I mean, was I doing anything? I mean, I don't know. I was kind of like it was. You know, it was the eighties in New York City. It was an all boys prep school. You know, look. I mean, I was like kind of the chubby, like gay Jewish kid, and. But I didn't know I was gay because it was the 80s in New York and nobody was talking about it. Well, except like ACT UP. And so 
But at All Boys Prep School, a class of 50, there was no support. But the chubby part, when I don't remember the chubby part. It was chubby. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't athletic. I was like the manager of the track team. I was in like the theater, the theater club, art class. Then you decide, the, so the, we, for the viewers or the, <laughs> the listeners, <laughs> we should mention that we went to college together. Um, and what a fun and amazing mm-hmm. four years that was. Oh, yeah. But uh, so you get out to Occidental. Oh, you, yeah. You knew you wanted to go to school in California. No, actually, I was, I was, I was, I got into my first choice, which was Vassar. And I was going to go to Vassar. Until, thank God. Until my mother, didn't. my mother Karen Friedman, was so excited, and she was like, "I'm going to come visit you on the weekends," and I was like, "Oh no!" Oh my, you know, I'm, Karen, I'm Karen go- could have rid the rails right up, right up there to Poughkeepsie. She ruined it for herself, <laughs> and I was like, "I'm going to go to my safety school." <laughs> so I went from first I choice to my that. my safety school was was Oxy. Amazing, and I got to tell you, I mean, I don't know how it would have turned out had I gone to Vassar, but Oxy. I look back at Oxy as four of the greatest years. Well, it was so fun. And the other thing, too, is, if you recall, because it was your life, but you were always, like, tapped in into what was happening in Hollywood. You were, oh, oh, right? Yeah, we lived off campus. I know. You lived off campus. So I was a freshman when Doug was a junior, and I had, there was a very good yeah. mutual friend of both of ours, Um Justinian, he now sort of like his name is Seal or Madonna. He's just one word, Justinian, and he. But we knew um, him then as Justin, right? And and, he, and by the way, we he showed up, and he was my doppelganger. Yeah, because we true. both we both had ponytails, clogs. Well, do you do the clog thing? Or is that more him? Those, yeah, that's that's why I have the clog. No, Justin Justin clog always hat. had a much Justin had a better sense. He had a much better sense of like style than I did. But they could do – there was a lot of um, – not that you were doing confusing things or or standing in for each other, but there was a lot of confusion sometimes on campus of who was who. I mean, I could tell this story, but we you know, we hooked up once. I remember. I remember you both were and talking about you didn't know whose body was whose. He was like <laughs> oh, – he was deep. was like making out with a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just can't make it up. It's so no, true. No, God, I can't. God, when that happened story. too, that was really. I mean, you know, the Earth moved because we it really wasn't living off campus. Things quite like quite a combination. So yeah, so you were living off campus, and my freshman year, week one, Justin was like, "We're going to this great party," just like because I was a freshman. Well, that was that was when we were living. That's when you and Melissa lived on Eagle Rock on View Eagle Drive Rock. with with Larice back then. Yeah, I mean, you you, you yeah. can't you can't. Mm-hmm. But you were always. Somehow going to David Geffen's house. You were always doing... Sandy Gallen. Sandy Gallen. That's who it was. Did he... W- w- remind me what he... Wasn't he involved Dolly with Dolly Parton's David? manager. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's how... That's Him? Did he live in Malibu? Was he, he had a Mal- house in Malibu. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is what this is coming back Where Brad to. Pitt was playing Frisbee when right. I got there. Yeah. It was that... Right. See, this was always happening. But at that time... So on a... Like, on an interest level, you were very kind of film focused if I remember Document, it was I was I majored I majored in anthropology right, right. because because of my I have I was the crazy about this girl Melissa Melissa White 
Was Melissa anthropology? And I was, obs- with I was obsessed with Melissa White. I was. It was a fr- and as when I was a freshman, she was a sophomore. She transferred in. I was obsessed with her. I thought it was before I had come out of the closet. So she, and I was like, she, she's the one I'm going to date. Yeah. yeah. And I tried to date. I tried to kiss her. I remember I took her up to the Angeles Crest Highway, like Inspiration oh Point. I drove her up there at night to show her the view of Los Angeles. I tried like something was something was going to happen, but I ended up just coming out to her. Yeah. And yeah. then she tried to kiss me. Like once I was gay, then she went for it. <laughs> this all sounds about right. This all sounds about right. And that was that the amazing house that you two had yeah. your junior and senior year, which was my freshman year. And somehow I found my home away Wait, from were home. We, no, you were sophomore. We no, spent I was more a freshman. When I was a sophomore. We were just a year apart. I no, think. you were two years apart. Really? Mm-hmm. Melissa was a senior. Melissa was turning. It was her 23rd birthday. One? Yeah. And then you guys moved. You, You're right. And then maybe you moved to, You're right. was it Hollywood? Or, Holloway Drive. Holloway Drive. Behind which Tower was Records. The most incredible. That little house. It's a, it's a house. We live with Candace's ex-boyfriend, Brian. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I forgot Are about him. I think this is interesting? I don't, I don't know. We're going to edit it out. But anyway, this is, we're, we're having <laughs> Sorry. a lot. That's what's the best part is we can edit it out. But, um, but yes, I think it's so interesting. Or at least it'll be interesting to us. <laughs> <laughs> and like six other people. Okay. So, no, no, definitely not. They want to hear where you lived. Anyway, so your anthropology. And I minored in film. Right. Okay. So I'm, I was going to make documentaries. Yeah. That was the idea. I remember this. And what were some of the things? Remind me. Do you remember? I remember you had, or maybe I'm conflating like, you with somebody else. Like the projects I worked on. Yeah. Wasn't there one big one? Or maybe the I'm thinking gay of porn industry in oh, Los yeah. Angeles. Oh, was that, that it? That was my senior thesis. Okay. This is now. It's coming back to me. See, I knew there was something. Sorry, Mom. I, I don't know how you. Did you go to sets? I can't remember. I. I knew some people in the yeah. business. Yeah. And I asked a lot of questions and inferred a lot. I think I got really creative with Did my you any thesis. did you interview any actors? I did. And now I'm doing my air quotes I, on actors. I did like one of those actors might have been Melissa Culligan. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I don't. Rem- I don't remember. Like I was. That. I was. So it was I like mean, a. It was like a. I feel like I. There was some of it was. I elaborated on, on the. Tr- I. I was. I was. Whatever. I was twenty. I was twenty, and I. F- I f- like looking back now, thinking about it. I think I bit off more. I feel like I was in over my head. Living in Hollywood, I was young, and then the reality set in of who I had to speak with and what I had to do, and I think I got nervous. Did, and so doing I did that s- thesis. And having to, like, dive into that world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it started with, like, the modeling industry, and that's because I was I infiltrated a modeling agency in L.A. as an intern, but was really writing, like, an ethnographic study on yeah. the business. And that's how I got invited to, like, Sandy Gallens and David Geffen. Right, okay, because I couldn't in. remember how... I remember you couldn't do whatever we were doing because you were in Malibu. In Malibu on a Sunday. On a Sunday with, with Brad Pitt, Sh- Shirley MacLaine. Right, I mean, it's so good. Sh- <laughs> it's just so good. Who else was there? I mean, it was weird. But you go. There was always like a pool party. I feel like there was a lot of leather sectionals. I don't know, I don't know how I, I was. I I, f- I, don't, I I was slotted into the weird like didn't quite fit in with the male models that I because I was working at a modeling agency. And I was asked to cast a party. 
Sandy Gallon was having a party yes, and I was yes. asked by the, the my boss, the male model's agent, to cast a bunch of boys to bring on Sunday afternoon to Sandy Gallon's house in Malibu for a brunch. A brunch with like Shirley MacLaine and, <laughs> I mean, and Diane Warren. <laughs> I mean, Diane Warren, who, you know Diane Warren. She wrote every great song. Yeah, 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 anyway, yeah, yeah. So it was... So that's how I got into, but it was one of those things where it didn't lead to anything more than it kind of just opened my, my world up in, cause you know, it, I didn't want to be an anthropologist and I wasn't going to be a documentary filmmaker. So, but then you started working for David Fincher, right? Right. Cause I, I think cause I'd lived off campus and I'd moved to Hollywood. So I was, and anthropology was, was it, was a major that you, maybe that's why I chose it. Maybe Melissa was reason number two, but anthropology met on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So I only went to my senior year or my, actually I finished my senior thesis as a junior because I wanted to finish it with Melissa. Yeah, yeah. So, and Ben Affleck. He was, right. he was there with us I forgot about too. that. I forgot mentioning So did that. he. I don't think I was going to say, I don't think Ben <laughs> talks about that much. Um, I saw Ben at the premiere of Argo and just for the record, and he'll yeah. never hear this, maybe he will, but at the premiere and Ben and I were like, we were close. Well, he used to be at Phi Sig. I mean, Phi Sig. I think when I arrived, he was already sort of, you know, he'd done, is it not school ties? Is it school ties? What no, was no, it? He no. Because he was, okay. no, he. But he had left. I don't know. Because his girlfriend was living with me when Matt was spending the summer with Ben and they were writing the script. Okay. Maybe that's the script. For Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he'd done school ties now? Remember? I thought he had because he had left and then he came back. Oh, and But Ben, I'd, 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 as a typical New Yorker living in Los Angeles, I, I crashed my car and couldn't get home from school after class every day. So Ben drove me home. And he had a convertible Saab, Les. I know. A Saab. Well, you know, you I had mine. I, I had mine. Not a convertible. But, but Ben uh, drove me home from school every day. And so I, I would say back then we were close, we were close. And then I saw him at the premiere of Argo and I was like, Ben. And he was like, uh, oh, you're the gay guy with the twin. I was like, that's your takeaway. <laughs> are, are you serious? <laughs> oh my God. That's the takeaway. Oh my God. And we, we need to like, be like, and you got a diploma from the same college that I went to I and forgot that. I'm not sure. I don't know if he did either. I, th- I think I think he did. We can ask Melissa and call a Lifeline. He did try to play tonsil with <laughs> hockey with her at Five Sig. I was so one, one too many times. I came out to Ben. Oh, I didn't know that. He drove me when he was driving me home from anthropology class <laughs> oh up to Eagle Rock in the convertible Saab. Oh my god! I came out to him thinking. Oh my god! And I was. Thinking, oh, did you think that maybe he would come out to me and then we would be boyfriends? Oh, I didn't. I didn't even know. That didn't happen. I didn't know that backstory. I'm kind of wondering, curious about what his rea- what his reaction was, but we can we can you know we can talk about that. Okay, so you're you are senior year. You're you've got the the four day weekend, right? Because you've got class Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You're you and have, I have your Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off, right? Right. Four days. The four days, and you're kind of dipping your toe in the industry, living in Hollywood. Living in Hollywood at an amazing house. house. Oh, no, but didn't you? Anyway, this is going to be We had the apartment. But you moved to that other apartment, which was awesome. Grace Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. And then you started working. You started working for David Fincher as his assistant, right? Am I? Okay. Well, so Melissa, a friend, Melissa, 
she was working, she had graduated, she was working at Propaganda Films, which was at the time in in the early nineties, was like was the was the production company of note. That was where all of the great, great, great directors were working music videos and commercials, not film yet. And I got a job as a receptionist. Yeah, oh my god, this is all coming back. Which I was then no, I immediately replaced by a British girl. But not for that, not, you were there for a little bit because I remember calling Melissa at work and you would would answer. Propaganda films. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's so good. And then, it's so and good. then like Anton Fuqua needed an assistant for a day and then Spike Jones needed an assistant for, the, and Mark Romanek needed someone for a week and then David Fincher needed someone and... and they were all doing music videos at the time. Music videos and commercials. Yeah, and because, that's when music videos were like, you needed videos to sell music. Yeah. And they were spending a lot of money on music videos. Like they were spending like $5 million to do a music yeah. video. And and then David Fincher needed an assistant to help for a week while he was, and, and I guess he liked me because I was there for almost three years, I think. Yeah. And it was, it was a very, that was, that was a very exciting time because the movie because I was with David on the post-production on the movie Seven. Right, right. And then that movie was like a game changer. Did Brad remember you from the Frisbee at, <laughs> at the barbecue? I don't think, no, but but Gwyneth did because right, because we went she, to high school. Yes. We were in that same world in high school. But working with Fincher, was, it was three years. It was Seven, Fight Club. Right, right. The game. Yep. And... It was, I mean, for like a, for like a, a nerdy kid, like for like this 24, three-year-old kid coming, like I was thrust into this exciting, I mean, it was exciting in Hollywood in the nineties, Brad Pitt, Gwyneth Paltrow, Madonna, like you name it. It was, there was no social media. So things were much more personal. Yeah. And um, like, you know, I don't know, people were more trusting of your presence because nothing was getting broadcast to the, it was an exciting yeah. time to be parties doing were all better. Parties, parties were, were better. better. Yeah, yeah. Parties were better. Yeah. hundred percent. Like we had fun at some of those. So I quit. Yeah. 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 Um, well, you know, I never did really anything I mean, anyway. No, I mean, I quit Fincher. Oh, I thought <laughs> <laughs> I even like doing it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Lance? Hollywood in the nineties. Basically, I was like, "Oh, I never really, you know me. I never really." No, I was, I was, I was also, I, I was, I was a good kid. Yeah, you were, you were. It wasn't terrible. I wasn't so, off the rails. So you, so I remember, I remember you were working for him, and you were you, and you were working really hard, right? And so then you decided that you were going to do, you were going to travel, if I remember, just kind of take. Now, were you taking pictures during that time? I can't remember when you were working for David Fincher or no, I mean, no, I wasn't taking pictures. I didn't even, I, I had no idea what I wanted. Yeah. All I was doing was, I feel like those, those four years after college, I was ruling things out. Yeah. Like, well, I'm not going to be an anthropologist. I'm not going to make documentary films. I'm not going to be a receptionist. I'm not going to be a feature filmmaker working with David. He's so good. Like he's, he was the best, like watching him work, listening to him. I was like, wow, this guy is like, he knows everything. He's what was, what was so great about 
how he knew like he was like he knew like he could commit to a project for years and not lose interest. Right. And he he was like he was probably like a nerd. Like he knew every he knew more than the stunt coordinator. He knew more than the special effects guy. He was writing. He he knew like he knew what he was doing. He thought about it a lot. With like every aspect every of the aspect, production. And, and, it, and it showed in those movies. Yeah. And I think my takeaway from working with David was that I'm never going to be that good at that. So why why pursue it? I'll, I'll never do what he... I, I won't be what he is, and he's incredible. I'm going to do something I can be incredible at. I still didn't know what that was. Right. Okay, because I remember that time, and I think you... I don't know. Was your brother living in Indonesia at the yeah. time? Okay, so you and you were going, I think, to go visit. Jason I was like, and, and I sold everything I owned. Yeah, I had, <laughs> and everything I owned, I had fifteen thousand dollars, and I bought an around the world plane ticket. Like you could buy one ticket that was like, yeah, 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 California, Singapore, Bangkok, Egypt, Paris, and like I had to fill in the blanks, and I had fifteen thousand dollars. In American Express Traveler's oh Checks. Oh, my God. It's so good. In a money belt. So I had... Like a, like a Merce. It was... a You put... I had all of this... It was all my money for a year. In, in the... In a, in a in money belt that yeah. I would wear around money my belt. waist. The money belt. Under yeah. my clothes. Yeah. And I spent... Well, you were in hostels and stuff, right? I mean, I was living... Like in weird rooms in Bangkok, where this like the walls went up six feet, and then it was finished with screen to the ceiling. Yeah, and then I mean, the bathroom was down the hall, and you were it was three dollars a night, where I was you know trekking in the Himalayas for six weeks and would spend a dollar to unroll my naps my sleeping bag, like in a barn above the cows because their heat would rise through the rickety floors and keep you warm. So I can't remember oh. why you didn't get the Lonely Planet out and find out. That how was you, the Lonely Planet. How you can stay at a that, well, I was, at a I was going, going. No, I was going. I was. I spent six weeks trying to. I wanted to go see Mount Everest at sunrise. Yes. Now and didn't you? Was that the trip where you got the yeah. the parasite and lost all the like, parasites? I mean, remember we were talking about if we could market that to people <laughs> on the Upper East Side or just like bring them on vacation to get a I worm. Was, and then you had to go to the like the CDC doctor that the UN usually. You remember uses. all this, yeah, God, yeah. I haven't thought about this. I got so, let, but the photography piece. Okay, if we're so you're there, wasn't that where you started taking pictures? I was taking pictures. And did you buy? Because back then, at a Nikon. The, yes, with the le, the lens. It was okay. So I'm thinking back to 1997, and and I was backpacking. You know, I was out there for nine months, but I I did this one leg, which was. I was going to go see Mount Everest at sunrise. I was going to summit a peak at 18,000 feet called Gokyori, which was like across the Kumbu Valley from Everest. And to get there, you know, I had a knapsack. I had a camera, two lenses, like rolls of film, a mini disc player, 10 mini discs, and a paperback book that I could swap out. Like if I, if I finished the book, you could usually find another book in, yeah, yeah. along the way. But I had to carry all that in a knapsack. That's like 20, 30 pounds of, of everything that now is your telephone yeah, that yeah. You, is in your pocket. And so it was an incredible amount of stuff. to. But I had to six weeks of trekking, and I had 20 rolls of film. So you had to be so thoughtful about every 
picture that you sure took because it's all you had. And you didn't know what was coming. But we next. weren't even thinking, though, at that time that you were taking pictures that were, I mean, I don't think, that were art, right? You just were taking pictures to document your trip. I guess it was a hobby. Yeah. That's, I was like, I'm, I'm going to take pictures. And if I think back, I took pictures in high school for the yearbook. And, and I, I took it like a darkroom class. Didn't, wasn't there a Polaroid? Didn't you have a Polaroid at some point? Oh, I probably did. Yeah. Because um, I remember that. But I remember, um, do you remember Sean Spellman? Yes. So I've actually seen him. Yeah, he's a, recently. A he's a stylist. Yeah, still. And, yeah. But, a, but like a world famous. Yeah. He's incredibly nice. successful, yeah. handsome stylist. And Sean, Dave Scott had introduced me to Sean right. Spellman. So Sean and I dated, and then he dumped me when I moved, was like going to go backpack. He got a little upset that I was like, you know, you fell in love with me. And then I was like leaving to go travel the world. Anyway, so when I, when I got really, really sick in the, whatever, I got really sick and I lost all the weight and I, I couldn't, I couldn't backpack anymore. I was down to like 140 pounds and I was like in Egypt in August, like I got to get home. And I just, I used the last of my money because I was to supposed call to. call Skippy? Well, I was supposed it's to. Sean. Yeah, I was supposed to like. All the, I was supposed to get to Paris and then uh, by trains and I just couldn't. So I, I just, I bought a ticket in Istanbul. I just bought a ticket with the last of my money to New York, not even thinking clearly. I was so like, I was, I was ill. I was delirious. And I flew back to New York city, went to my parents' apartment. It was like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. And they weren't home. They were in Europe and there was no, there was no spare key left with the doorman because like, Something had been like stolen, or my mother thought someone had someone in the building had like stolen her jewelry. So, so she took the spare key. So I was like locked out. So I and you called Skippy. Why didn't you call me? I, I can't remember when. It's ten o'clock at night. Skippy. I, yeah, it's ten o'clock <laughs> at night. I was like, I don't. I think I knew Sean's number by heart. So I called him, and you know, I went over to his place. There's, there's a reason I'm telling you the story and not that he then got dysentery. He didn't. From me, yeah. He di- I didn't know it's, 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 um, oh. Yeah, and so, but. Had I what, known that, I would have used your toothbrush, you know, but I mean, I, <laughs> it's, it's like, pre-osemphic. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know it was transferable. It was. Okay. And, and so, but what Sean, so I was back in New York and I needed a job and Sean was working as a, he was working as an assistant fashion stylist to Bill Mullen. And Sean was like, I can get you a job as a photo assistant. And he did. Oh, and I so didn't that's, that. So Sean introduced me to someone that got me a gig as a photo assistant to Gilles Ben-Simon. I lasted one day. And then what happened? And then what happened after that? But you knew, did you know after that one day that you liked being it was interesting I mean the process was interesting it was weird and then my next job as a photo assistant was weird it was so strange because I was I was asked to be Julie Roberts technical advisor on Julie's <laughs> stepmom oh my gosh this is like a hot tub time machine of the highest wow. order I, I like, forgot okay. about that and so I'd only been a photo assistant once but I pretended I knew what I was doing right which by the way the imposter is totally right went to B&H photo Learned how to load cameras, went to set. Chris Columbus liked me, the director, put me in the movie. 
Like, oh, I forgot. You didn't mention that. I played, I mean, it's her, a little bit I played Julie Roberts' photo assistant. But you were also like, remember you were in the Dave Matthews Band video in oh, college? God. You were constantly Shh. like getting. I was doing weird things. I was saying, yeah. listen, my, I, I could look at it now because I actively practice saying yes to experiences. Yeah. Even if they're complicated or unconventional. But I was doing that since I was a kid. Yeah. You were doing that. You like, did that all through college. Which, yeah. Like I moved, I, you know, a single gay man, I moved to West Texas. Like it just felt like the right thing to do later in life. I want to talk about Marfa. So, you, but I want to get, so you, I want to it's just, so I'm on a, a linear path. Yeah. Sorry. On, on the, no, because I, you know, I'm going to ADD on you and we're going <laughs> to go back to, to stepmom, which I, which I somehow forgot, but it's coming back, what came back to me. But the, so you're, you get that gig and you're you're learning as you go, right? You're learning yeah. as you go. And when did you realize that taking pictures was something that you love to do or that you were really good at and that could be as you were talking about earlier with the David Fincher just kind of you know, you knew you would never really necessarily be I'm using your words good, you know, as good as that at, at that as you'd want to be. And so but looking at the pictures that you took on that trip which I've seen that trip that you went on, you know, Did I make you sit through a slideshow. Yeah, I know. I've seen all your slideshows. That's a, you know, you had that talent at the same time that you, you know, obviously had the interest, but maybe at that time it wasn't, there was no interest. Formalized. I didn't even know. I didn't think I didn't know what I wanted to be. I never thought I would. I never thought I'd make money. I never thought I'd, you know, have a, like be successful. Like it was like the idea of that was so, cause I didn't know where to go. I didn't. So I was kind of just trying to stay busy, at least doing something. Yeah. And so, but I was a photo assistant. I met another photo assistant who then introduced me to another photo assistant, which turned into more work as a photo assistant. And, and I thought it was interesting. Like I worked for a fashion photographer I worked for a travel photographer. Wow, it's like someone's going to fly us to Thailand or Portugal right, right. for, and all I have to do is load your camera. I worked for a catalog photographer. God, six weeks in the Bahamas shooting swimsuit illustrated models in the ocean in bikinis. Right, and I'm getting paid for this, and you get to travel, and I get to travel, to and yep. all of my expenses are covered, and th- so that was exciting at, you know, 30 or 29. So that the travel, but there was, there was also something else. I enjoyed the work. I I liked watching photographers take pictures. I didn't, I never. Now are, now are you learning? I mean, obviously yeah. you're learning technique, right? Because I mean, I'm a photo assistant. So, but I'm working with so many different types of photographers, right. working with all the cameras, all the different types of film. And I'm learning it all. Yeah. Like I have a really solid knowledge, technical knowledge of how to take a picture. And you probably could see from your experience of looking at all of the, the different approaches of different photographers, which methods kind of I made think, sense like, to you or that you thought were the smartest to use, or I don't know if it's lighting or, you know, yeah, or what all, kind of equipment or whatever it is. But did you find, were there certain photographers that really influenced your perspective or your eye that you had worked with or others that you hadn't worked with that you'd love to work with? I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, I got to work with, with the best. I mean, I worked with like 
Terry Richardson. I mean, I worked with David Lush. I was David LaChapelle's assistant. I mean, that was wild. How long did you do that for? I, I mean, yeah. I six months yeah. with David because it was it was relentless. Like you're making $125 a day, but a day might be 36 hours yeah. long. Yeah. And it's wild, crazy. But it was amazing to, you know, to have that that knowledge. Like, okay, so I've worked with fashion photographers, catalog guys, travel photographers, and then I get to work with, you know, some guy that's shooting someone's apartment. And I like that. Like, oh, I like this part of it. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Like, I like the travel photography and I like the lifestyle photography. I didn't like fashion. Oh, interesting. Didn't so like you, it. so what, what was it about the shooting the interiors? Was it seeing know. people's homes yeah. or, yeah? A beautiful room. Like, there was something, you know, it, it wasn't so crowded. It was me and the photographer and the homeowner, the designer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, there was, it was, could be a, considered a bit of a meditation. You know, a, a fashion shoot is like it's it's loud. There's, a, you know, there's hair, makeup, yeah, hair yeah. assistants, makeup assistants, models, and but I think because of, you know, I think you know, I assisted for a few years, had a mustache, and I was in okay shape. I had some tattoos. I was personable, kind of popular around New York City. I mean, you're so fun. You're so handsome. So I got so. The world saw me as a fashion photographer. I didn't want to be that, but that's what I became. So when did you, though, I can't remember when you transitioned from being, to, you know, assisting other big photographers and then going oh, out rem- on your own. I remember. Yeah. Was it a moment, though? Was it a moment? And was it someone saying, you know, Doug, actually, you're taking a really great photograph. No, it, was, it wasn't that moment. The moment... I remember so clearly I'd assisted a photographer, an interiors photographer called Fernando Bengochea, who was really good. He, he passed away in the, he, the tsunami. Oh, like, stop He was it. Nate Burkus's boyfriend. Oh, and my gosh. So I was working for Fernando, and our editor was the brilliant Wendy Goodman from New York Magazine. Oh, yeah. And then maybe two weeks after that, because of a friend of a friend, I got hired to shoot my first story for New York Magazine, and my editor was Wendy Goodman. And it was it was so close. It was maybe it was like four days, or it was less than a week from when I was Fernando's assistant with Wendy Goodman to being the photographer with Wendy Goodman. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. Like I'm, I don't want Wendy Goodman to perceive me as as an assistant. I oh, need because to oh, I see. So it was that moment on that shoot with Wendy. And I think I talked to her about it. I was like, I'm done. I'm done assisting. If I keep assisting, it's going to be a safety net. Like, and I'll never become a photographer. Yeah. So I stopped. I never assisted again. I turned down the work. I turned down the money. And I was like, I'm going to be a photographer. And that, that forced me to scramble to... I mean, to whatever I could do to whoever I needed to meet, speak to, to, but my whole entire focus in life became trying to be a photographer. How am I going to build a portfolio of images? Who do I know that has a nice apartment that I could go photograph? And, you know, building a, a book and going into labs and printing my own pictures and putting together a portfolio. And then 
a friend of a friend who knew the photo director at Vogue and going to meet Ivan Shaw, who liked my book and gave me a, a chance shooting clothes on a rack in Sheep's Meadow in Central Park. But everything I was doing at that point in my life, I must have been like 33, 34, 35, 34, was about being a photographer and about paying my rent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't... I was so, like, I wasn't going to, I wasn't asking my family for help. I wasn't, I was like, I'm going to do this. You know, I have to pay rent. I've got to have gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about the gear. Where were we? You were living in the twenties then? Or were you living downtown? I can't remember when. I had that little cottage on on West 12th Street. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Hansel Hansel and Gretel's cottage. I I forgot about that was amazing. amazing. You've always had incredible real estate, but we can, we'll get to that in a minute because we've got to get to Marvel. But then I remember... I remember there was, and I was, I was, I was getting by as a photographer, shooting food for GQ, right. random stuff. And then, and there was one, I mean, there was, there was the day, there was the day, there was the job that changed everything for me. And it was, Olga, was it Olga Liriano? There was a photo director at Harper's Bazaar magazine that I kind of knew socially she calls me up and she goes, can you shoot Diane von Furstenberg tomorrow at home? The photographer pulled out. We need someone. And I was like, of course I can do it. Scared I c- to death. I mean. And I've got to find an assistant. I've got to rent How do, how do you find all the, besides the, like the, the, uh, you know, the lighting and all the equipment that you need to take the picture, what about, because I think I've, is that one of the pictures you've taken of her? You've probably shot her more than once at this point, but like her, she's got her big portrait behind her and she's on a sofa or is that a more That was the second one? one. That was my second shoot with her. It was amazing. Um, I'm sure they were all incredible, but how do you tell her, like you show up, you know, what to wear, what you, to, I mean, how does that, do you have someone as a stylist that does yeah. that? Okay. Well, there was a team. Okay. But you had to put the team together or they already had the team put together? The team was put together, the stylist, the makeup, everybody was there. I was coming in as the photographer. I'd never done this before. Portraits, interiors, environmental portraits, still lives. And I had to go in there and my, my job was to convince those people who were all so intimidating to me, everyone there, because they'd all done it. I was, but to convince them all that I knew exactly what I was doing. Amazing. And whether I knew what I was doing or not, I probably didn't. I convinced them. Like I went in there and I, I directed. Maybe that's what I took away from Fincher. And but I directed that room. I directed those people. You do this. You do this. You, do. and, and they liked me. The pictures came out great. Glenda Bailey, the editor in chief, she liked what I did. And from that shoot, for the next nine years. I shot for Harper's Bazaar, which at that point was like Vogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shot for Harper's Bazaar every month. So every month, my byline was in the well, which was like the part of the magazine at the end with all the big stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every every month, I had two to 12 pages in the well. So my name got out there because my name was in there with Karl Lagerfeld, Patrick Demarchelier, Terry Richardson, like the biggest photographers in the world, and me. Amazing. And that, amazing though. And that's what gave me and it was and, and I was doing environmental portraits. So I was doing fashion, big concepts, because Glenda Bailey loved big concepts, but I was always never in studio, rarely in studio. But it was always it was portraits of important be- important women. All of them were beautiful. Important women 
in their spaces. Oh, is that what an environmental portrait is? It's yeah. a portrait of them in. So I had to take, like, I had to take a, an amazingly lit portrait of Hillary Clinton in the State Department, but the State Department had to look incredible too. Like, I, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed is to. That the, is that the picture of her that's in the, the New York Magazine cover? Yeah, we built a yeah. set. So Oh, stop it. We had 10 minutes to do two portraits. So we went the day before. I built the set inside the State Department so that I could shoot like this and then I could just turn the camera 80 degrees and then it was the State Department lit. 10 lights, lit the whole thing. But so that's what, I mean, that was exciting stuff because I was, I was, I learned how to, under duress and in this situation, I learned how to take a beautiful portrait of someone and a beautiful portrait of the room that they were in at the same time. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't realize, I didn't think about it that way, that you're, you loving to shoot interiors, right? Mm -hmm. I've never heard of the term environmental portrait, but it makes perfect sense, right? You're shooting someone not like on a beach or whatever in their own environment, which says a lot about- An environment. So, but where the environment's as important, the way that room looks. And that's what I would do for Harper. There was called a fashionable life. And I went around the world and I would have to shoot like, f- you know, famous influential women like in their homes or in their spaces. So tell me either on that around the world or another, like, what would, who's your, who's been kind of your favorite, your favorite um, celebrity or personality to shoot? I had so much fun with Laura Bush at the White House. Oh, I saw that God, so that great. Was, that was a great. I mean, you're in the White House. That was a great shoot. That's amazing. All right, tell me about that. What, who was that for? Harper's Bazaar. Oh, that. Oh, that was part this of. This was part of that okay. period at Harper's Bazaar where it was like you're going to go shoot Hillary Clinton. You're going to shoot Paris Hilton. You're going to shoot Laura Bush. You're going to shoot Linda Evangelista. You're going to. Oh wow. Now, what was it about um, Laura Bush that made, was it her or was it her combined with the setting of being in the White House? Yeah. That was, I mean, what an honor. Yeah. Truly, what an honor. And the pre-production for that shoot was six months. Normally, it's like a week. Right. Because security clearance and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. And I was given 20 minutes with Laura Bush to do two portraits. One of them was a portrait of her at sunrise on the lawn in front of the White House in an Oscar de la Renta gown. It, with in her, 20 minutes? Wasn't it like a red gown? Yeah, or a was red that, Oscar okay. de la Renta gown with her two terriers. Amazing. And a she, port- had a, she had a costume change, though? And- well, listen, and, a, and they wanted me to do a portrait of her in the Lincoln bedroom where the Constitution is. And tw- I'm like, 20 minutes? I happen to be friends socially with... With Barbara. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With Barbara and Jenna. So I, I called Barbara. I was like, I'm, I'm going to shoot your mom, the White House. And they're only giving me 20 minutes. You put in a good word for me. Well, a few days later, I get a call from Harper's Bazaar. They're like, we don't know what happened. But you just got an hour with the first lady. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so we go. Going straight to the source. And, it, I got, and so I'm, I don't meet. So I get there the day before hours to get in and we set up all the lighting on the lawn, all of the lights on the lawn of the white house. And then we go into the Lincoln bedroom. We set up all the lights in the Lincoln bedroom. So we know exactly what to do. 
and how to light it. And then we break it all down. And so the next morning we get there before sunrise and we set everything up. Oh, wait, stop it. You can't leave it there over. You couldn't leave it there. No. We had to pre-light it all. Now, was the hour you got to do prep to to set it up? The hour was hour of shooting with With her. her. Okay. So we're set. And I'm there. Sun's rising, hitting the White House. That's amazing. Laura Bush comes walking out in a red Australian account, smoking a cigarette with her two dogs. Stop it. Yeah. And she's like, you must be Douglas. You are so (laughs) handsome. My daughters have told me all about you. And she was so disarming. And lovely. And so lovely. I've met her a couple of times. I even obviously. She was great. Shot her on the lawn of the White House. And we took took an amazing portrait and then like ran up into like you're running across the White House lawn. It's amazing. You're up in the Lincoln bedroom and it was. God, it's so funny. Glenda Bailey, she, it was for the Halloween issue of Harper's Bazaar. And this story with Laura Bush, who used to be a librarian, was going to appear immediately after the Harry Potter fashion story. Oh, stop it. So Glenda thought it'd be really great if I could get Laura Bush Holding sitting in Harry the Lincoln Potter? bedroom reading <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you? Did you talk to her about so it? So I got Laura Bush sitting on a couch Stop in the Lincoln it. bedroom, reading with her eyes peeking over Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. And at that point, I was shooting four by five films. So you're putting plates of film in a camera, you're under a cloth, you're going smile, and you're clicking a button and pulling plates out. And it's an arduous, long, beautiful process. And as I'm down to like my last three sheets of film, the Bush's black cat walks into the Lincoln bedroom. Come on, come on. Hops on the sofa next to Laura Bush. And I get the frame of Laura Bush reading Harry Potter, the Chamber of Secrets for the Halloween issue of Harper's Bazaar it. with a black cat on the couch next to her. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, cue the black cat. That is really, Thank you. that's amazing. It was amazing. That's amazing. So then at that point, you're just probably after that and that entire year of doing like these incredible subjects with these incredible Eight photographs. Years. I was going to say oh. that at that point it's gangbusters, right? I mean, if it wasn't already like you are being booked. I have a career. Um, yeah. I have a career. My name is getting recognized within the industry and I'm, I'm able to start having conversations about doing like, I just wanted to work for architectural digest. That's all I wanted to do so badly. And so, and you're doing that like no, now I am. But then I hand over face. But yeah, so how did you make hand over face, hand over fist? I guess hand over face might be, might be a, a different thing. But I, but what is the so on the interior front? How did you then transition from kind of the environmental portrait to, um, to doing so many interiors, incredible interiors? And then I want to hear what's your favorite. Who's your favorite um, interior shoot? I remember this. I my I mean, I, my agents had sent my book to Architectural Digest, no bites, and it was like El Decor, no bites, and it's it's disappointing because I'm doing so well in this other world. Yeah, but yeah. This is where I want to be. I'm not. I'm not getting any traction. And my friend Carlos Mota, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant interior stylist, interior decorator, who is a stylist for Architectural Digest invited me to a party in New York, some, you know, fundraising, gambling themed yeah. party in New York somewhere. And 
I was going instead of Peggy Russell, who was the editor in chief of Architectural Digest. Oh, yeah, yeah. She couldn't go. So Carlos took me and gave me Peggy's ticket. Um, so I, the next day, I wrote her a thank you note. Like on my stationery, I wrote a, a handwritten note, got her address at the office, put a stamp on it, put it in the mail. And she called me a week later and she said, Thank you so much. No one ever sends thank you notes. This means so much to me. You are such a cool guy. I'm going to give you a story. And she gave me a story at AD. I mean, by the way, getting back to your original theme of you saying you kind of, you know, would say yes to things and try new things. And I mean, saying yes to the ticket, right, or going to the event gave you... Opportunity. Yeah, the opportunity to to write that note and then to have... um, her call you. So what happened? So then she calls you and says, here's your first shoot. What, what was your first shoot for AD? Gosh, I think it was shooting an artist collector, Alex Hank. And I, and I did, <laughs> or maybe it was the Hilfigers. I don't remember what my first shoot was for AD. Maybe it was Alex Hank. I remember Peggy got really angry at me because there was there was a Jack Pearson art piece in the dining room that said fuck off and she goes don't shoot that our readers can't see fuck off so I'm on I'm on the shoot yeah and and, can't you blur out the no and and you know the the homeowner's like oh let's do a picture of the dining room with the with the Jack Pearson you do it you I do it because he's asked me and it's easier just to please the client well, Peggy got really upset. She's like, you disobeyed me. I told you not to shoot that. I was like, I had to shoot it, Peggy. I had like, yeah, you don't have to use it, Peggy. And so I was like, God, I blew this opportunity so fast. But that wasn't the case. Peg, I mean, she was someone, she's a, she's a friend of mine. She's become a friend of mine. And I was able to speak with her, frankly, as an editor, which is really nice. Right. She, she, res- she respected my point of view, the way I saw the world. She respected the way I spoke about the world. So we were able to have those conversations, which was great. And then you did fuck off, end up in the, in AD. No, <laughs> okay. Didn't. So she, everything else, but something else so, happened in that period, Leslie. And I don't, I don't remember what year it was or exactly when Instagram became a thing. So I know, um, 2007 was when I think that's when, that's when Instagram, maybe, oh no, that's when the iPhone came out. It was 2007. Yes, 2007. And so if you think about that and how much that's transformed, you know, the world in less than 20 years. So I think it was around that time, well, we can go on the World Wide Web and find out, but around that time or the late 2000s when Instagram, I think Facebook was happening, but on your computer, not Facebook was on, happening. Um, Right, in but Instagram became another important tool in my arsenal for to achieve success. Right, because I, I, I embraced Instagram at the very, very beginning, and I tried to build a brand around my photography and my life so early 
I'm, I'm, I'm looking. When did Instagram come out? Oh, 2010. So, so there was a moment. So when all of a sudden, when Instagram became a valuable asset for designers, yeah. I had a following because I'd, I'd done because it from the beginning. I invested so much time in it when nobody was using it. But I had, I, I had, a, I had a presence there that aided my success. How many it. followers do you, I mean, I, you know, I've been off. I, 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 oh, I, you're I, off. Well, I lost my login and I couldn't figure out how to, I, this friend of mine, when it first came out, <laughs> for Nana Niven, I was at a dinner and she <laughs> helped me get on it. And then I got a new iPhone. Oh, no. And so I, her sister is one of my best friends. I said, can you ask your sister what my code is? And she's like, I don't know what your code is. I set it up. You just like email yourself again, which I didn't know how to do. And then my, anyway, I, so I've been off of it, of the gram, which is like, you know, so Andrew, I know follows you, uh-huh. my husband. Yeah. And, um, you know, we is envious of like every meal you post and every shoot you go on. But, um, but it is incredible. I mean, how many followers do you have right now? You've got, I think, one hundred and seventy-one thousand. It's amazing. Which it's amazing? Which is wild that there's one hundred and seventy-one thousand people that <laughs> either clicked on me and are remotely interested in what I have to show my view, my point of view of the world. But isn't it? It's also. You know, you were talking about you getting these opportunities and these jobs being on those shoots and meeting people. It's your eye. It's your perspective. But it's you. It's your personality. It's all the things that make the deeper the deeper that's coming through on Instagram and everything else that you shoot. And because you're so um, just personable and fun and funny and kind and People want to be so. You have that rapport, obviously, with your, with your subjects, right? And that comes through, I think, in your pictures when you're taking portraits, and definitely in the way that you see interiors. What's your for your interior shoots? What's your favorite, or what's the most outrageous? Ooh, the most. Oh, gosh, there've been um, there've been so there really there've been so many, and they. What's the most, I mean, the celebrities are the most fun to work with because you can elevate them. Like, I, I don't feel compelled when I'm working with a celebrity that it has to be, like, if I'm shooting, like, a random wealthy couple at the right, home right, in Greenwich, right. it's like, maybe we'll just sit you on the couch with your dog while your kid's jumping in the pool. In the oh, background. but when it's a celebrity, you want to try to capture like, oh, their, like, them in the... There's a fantasy. Yeah. Like, what could we... How could we make you more fantastic in this picture? Like, shooting... I was shooting, like, a year ago, shooting Tommy and Dee Hilfiger at their house in Palm Beach. And it was a beautiful house, like, on the bay. They had a dock. So I walked out to the dock to see about taking a picture of, like, you know, the house with the water in front of it and there was a there was a jet ski parked at the dock Stop so I was it. like you know, Tommy go go put on a tuxedo D go put on a big flowy gown and, and get on the jet ski and so I get Tommy and D in a tux in a formal wear at sunset 
zipping around on a jet ski with water spraying with her house in the background. And I'm like, this is the most fun. Or, you know, Ellen Pompeo, like in a convertible with a surfboard and like in a wetsuit. Like, you know, she's coming out for the shoot and the stylists have her in these big ruffly gowns. And I was like, Ellen, you got a wetsuit? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, how do you get there and you meet them and you're like, this feel is not right. So that's an example of one, right? You're like, I don't want Ellen and the, I want to capture it just feels strange. this part. This isn't a f- yeah, it's like, this is your cool house in Malibu. Why are you standing in the living room in Couture? I, I love that you took the picture of Bette Midler in her garden. Is that her garden in Millbrook? Where did you take no, that? That was in, that was in the, um, the cloisters. Oh my God. Because she, how do you remember this? My God, this was 15 years ago. That was a one of my first commissioned proper portraits. And it was Bette Midler. And I was shooting her at the Cloisters because she had a program where she was something with the Parks Department. Yes, exactly. She's in a town with the Parks Department. When we're, with the shovel. I'll, I'll tell you later, you know, she and I are neighbors and we had this big thing. Really? We're trying to stop these developers and stuff. And, she would call me and be like, who are these turkeys, Leslie? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I could go on and on. She were, uses terms like boondoggle. I mean, she's she's, she's amazing. The Bette Midler you want. Yes. And that's what I wanted. I wanted the Bette Midler, that, my fantasy of Bette Midler. Right, because you got you sort of captured her, that her spunk. Yeah, the whole thing. That's what I wanted to see. Okay, so um, interiors, portraits. Fine. You've also done some... You know, photography exhibits, right? You've I've had done, a few shows. Yeah. Do you are, are you interested in doing more of that or what? You know, it's. I am. I definitely am. It's a. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot. I feel like it's a lot to ask of the people around me to constantly, you know, give me their evening, come to my. So, so I don't want to overdo it. And it's just like you got to focus. Like if I'm gonna, ask, you've got to come up with a theme or a thought. If I'm gonna ask the yeah. world to look at, like to come look at my work, take time out of their day, out of their evening, to come all the way, like brave traffic, come to a photography show, possibly spend like twelve thousand dollars on a print, like See, whatever I was it is. Say this like, could be though. That I mean, not that you're looking to, you know, have your side gig. It's not like you're my side driving hustle. for side hustle. That's like <laughs> driving for Uber, but you're having your exhibit that you. But, it's just a lot of but work. people d- would love to own, well, you know, I mean, some of your images. I think that's the other. I know. I, t- I just, I feel that it's got to be the best possible thing. And I don't feel that I have the time to devote. To, like, to doing it now. I will. Um, I'll do it eventually again. And, you know, but as I really, I really like and embrace, I'm a commercial photographer like I don't, I don't pretend or or position myself as a fine art photographer. Okay, I'm fine with that. I love I love my job. I love the the lane that I'm in right now. Yeah, yeah. And well, it's like the carpool fast lane. I mean, it's an amazing <laughs> lane. It's an amazing lane. You get to like you know pursue your art, see you know meet incredible people, mm-hmm. travel the world. What? Who would you? Just give me one name. Who would you want to take a picture of or do a shoot with that you haven't yet? Celebrity or personality? Oh, Beyonce. Oh. Come on. Beyonce and a $200 million to Dow Ondo Beach House in Malibu. I mean, like, okay. 
I mean, I could, are, I mean are your agents working on this? That's could, never going to happen. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's it, there's listen. There's all the obvious ones. I would. I am so curious, like how all of the most like ridiculously famous wealthy people live, and you know, it's I'm it's so curious to see how people spend their money. Sometimes, oh, that's interesting. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's repulsive. You don't have to say names, obviously, but what what would you say was like on the repulsive scale and what's on the amazing scale? Um, Interiors. I mean, it's it's not even like this. The same the same thing can be repulsive in someone's hands and it can be incredible in another person's hands. It just depends who they are. And I remember shooting a painfully, painfully wealthy couple, old, like old American money. And, you know, they're in their 50s and they love smoking pot and eating mushrooms and going to Burning Man. And somebody spent like six years on their house and it's like, and it's like, is this? Like, like they're semi-precious stones, like inlaid in the banister. Like the, the oh, amount, stop it. Like things that you're like, Right. You could have been. This is like Taj Mahal level, like insanity, absurdity. But they're so amazing. Their commitment to the artistry and the artisans and they know what they're doing. And they're, you know, the artists that lived for six months on a scaffolding to paint the ceiling in the closet. Like you're like, but it's incredible. And they're incredible. So what they're supporting is kind of amazing, but the same thing in someone's hands who doesn't appreciate what it is, but they just want to spend the money. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's like when there's not, when what they've done isn't because they love what it is, but it's like, well, let's just make the walls alligator because it's money. Let's spend it. You're like, Oh, that's kind of gross. Or, or they're, or I don't agree with their, there's there I who knows this their their vibe is off or you know you do a little research and they they don't support it I, it doesn't it yeah. doesn't like their the personality of the homeowner becomes important in determining I'm not going to fault someone for having money you can't fault someone for spending their money it's their money let them spend it they earned yeah. it they whatever it's that's their their lot in life I'm not going to be jealous but I can I can gauge my interest in in who they are and how they choose to just be with their with their Does that stuff. Make sense? I don't yeah. Know if I'm no, no, this no, very well. no. You're making you're making sense. You're making total sense. I think you're saying that it's, it's one thing you you can appreciate it if they're pursuing. They're really appreciating it, right? And they're pre- appreciating what went into it, and how, as opposed to someone who just doesn't even. I mean, there are people who hire a designer and just approve a budget or will sign off on something or want to spend money on something. Or it's their fifth house. I was kind of more interested in thinking about like the shark tank in the, in the, (laughs) in the, the weird amenity, like in the, in the downstairs bar, like those kinds of things. There was one house in Silicon Valley that, you know, this beautiful house in a neighborhood had this beautiful, like stone patio and you could press a button and the stone patio like sunk eight feet down and filled with water and became the swimming see, pool. See, now we're talking. Now okay. we're talking. 
that's or like some that's crazy ap- apparatus that comes out and scratch your back before you get. I mean, I, that, I I'm kind of looking. I think into the, <laughs> like what is it <laughs> that they had that was so nuts? Um, I think it's material. There's I don't re- I don't remember a lot of like you know people have you know they want a a cold plunge or a sauna. Oh, there was this one. <laughs> there was one house in. Um, in the heart of a big city in Texas. It's always Texas. By the way, in Dallas, they're building down. Uh, we have friends that have gone five stories down. It's like oh. a car level, a well, basketball court. There was that one in Aspen that had a basketball court, a full-size basketball court, 50 feet below. Underground. I mean, what happens in when Aspen. there's a, in a mudslide? I mean, Crazy. I guess we've lived in L.A. But there, too was long, one, but I, there was this one in this big city in, in Dallas, in Texas. Shit. In Dallas, that had a lazy river. Say this now. I mean, a, a proper yeah with a rapid Stop and a grotto. It. Stop and it, it. Circled the entire property. I mean, a lazy river. It had a beach. All right. Speaking of of um, what's his name? Um, sorry, that now I'm reminded of Mark Anthony, who was married to oh was J-Lo. it his, No, it, but he had. He had a beach house in the Dominican Republic, and the swimming pool was built to look like a sandy beach Amazing. on the beach. So there was a huge pool with the beach. Some have tropical f- this fish. Was, but this was in the Dominican Republic. It, yeah, I mean, on, I can't. On the beach. I can't. Or the I house can't. that had on another house on the beach that had... It, like this cylinder, this basically was a television set that came out of the sand and then unfolded see. itself into a 20 foot TV on the ocean. Yeah. See, that now, now we're of, talking. Now we're talking. There's some technology. Yeah. All right. So we were living in New York and L.A., I yeah. think. And then how did we <laughs> how did we come to find and create the Friedman Ranch? Marfa. Marfa, Texas. I, <laughs> I, I was dating a guy that lived in Los Angeles, and I was living in New York, and it seemed like. Wait, it, was this the guy who was really um, very built, kind of like a hot fireman? Was he Eastern Europe? Am I? Who's the that guy? was Piero Capobianco. Yeah, <laughs> okay. like, he was a cartoonist. He sort of captured my imagination. That, that was okay. that was nineteen ninety two. Ninety three. That was no, oh I, my god. I don't know, but he really. He was a handsome guy. Yeah, Italian. Some, yeah, and but this was another guy who lived a handsome guy, lived in L.A. But he like hair colors, like did like Miley Cyrus's blonde hair. Like he was the guy to go to for blonde hair. He was great. I so wish we had. He was I funny, handsome. Missed that. And we're like, let's 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 go on a date that's not L.A., that's not New York. What's neutral territory? Neutral territory in the middle of America was Nebraska. But I, I was like, that's not fun. But I had just seen a 60 Minutes episode on Marfa. So I was like, let's go to this little town in West Texas called Marfa and go see the art. Have a road trip, you know, eat barbecue, drive through the desert. Who knows? It's an adventure. And so we did. We went. It wasn't, it wasn't a great weekend. Well, is it because, I mean, besides the Prada store that doesn't have a things store, to buy. <laughs> things to buy or a store attendant, was there a, was there a place to stay? It was a hotel. Okay. Our mistake was we were there on a Monday and a Tuesday. 
And everything okay. in Marfa is closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. Okay. So there's no place to eat. It was July. It was raining. There was no place to go. There was no place to shop. So it wasn't great. And then, you know when the universe just kind of all of a sudden puts something in front of you and yep. you can't escape it? I'd never heard of Marfa, but I had seen that 60 Minutes, went there, came back. Like the next week, I'm up at Martha Stewart's house in Maine. It's her birthday with some friends. And she's like, oh, I love Marfa. I didn't issue of my magazine there 20 years ago called Martha and Marfa. I mean, stop it. Some other, another couple, Trey and Jenny Laird are like, Oh, we're building a house in Marfa. Stefano Tonkey's there is, you know, magazine and his husband, David Malpin an art dealer. Oh, we think Marfa is the best. And so all of a sudden everyone's talking about how amazing Marfa is. And the Laird's are like, you should come back with us in October. I go back with them in October. And I'm like, totally taken by this town. The landscapes. I was going to say, what is it about it? Like sort of the, just the, how open it is. It's quiet. It's remote. It's not New York. It takes a long time to get there. It's, it, it gives my brain a chance to rest. And when are you going back? When can I? Next week. Are you really? I am. It's, it's, the, it's gay pride in Marfa. Oh, you know what? There, is that, is there an, a, like, there's a big event in Millbrook is it June 10th. Is there, is there a, is this a national oh, thing or is this it just? It happens to be Pride Month, the month Pride of month. June. Right, but I. But is there? There's no next week. Okay, there's no next okay. week. Okay, there's no. But um, I went back that second time, and I bought land. And spent an afternoon looking at things and found a beautiful piece of land. And then when did you start? When did you build the house? Two years later. Okay. I was like, I got in. I was like, I'm going to do this. And again, it's like, I'm going to buy some land. I'm going to put a trailer out there because I love it. But I had to drill a well. I had to run in power. I had to put in a septic. All I had to put in the whole utilities. And it was expensive. And it warranted more than a trailer. What about the, the pool that you have with the, that yeah. looks like if I sat in it, the water's going to come out? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a shipping container that I sunk into the ground and filled with water. Oh, uh, by the way, it's brilliant. It's I just amazing. meant because, you know, I... <laughs> Oh, it's great. We used to keep it a little bit tighter. So it was like, but the project kept getting bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden I had had a a house and a pool and trees and and a very smart accountant who was like, you've got to sell your place in New York and become a Texan. Oh, you know, I forgot about that piece about it. So I did. I sold my place in New York. I became a Texan and I moved to Marfa full time. And it works for me because I'm never there. Right. You're traveling all the time. Yeah. So when you, now, do you fly into Austin? You can. Well, okay. there's two. Listen, there's two ways. It depends what type of person you are. Because from New York to Marfa, door to door, no matter how you slice it, it's 12 hours. Okay. So you can fly to Dallas, Chicago, Phoenix, Atlanta, and then to El Paso, and then drive three hours. Or you can fly New York to Austin and drive seven. Same amount of time. Just depends if you're the type of person that likes to be in charge or if you're the type of person that wants to. I I might be. I don't know what I, I know I'm the kind of person who might want to get on a Delta flight to El Paso next week. We gotta talk about it it's, because it sounds del- I mean, I know we've been talking about this for some time. It's it's something. It's it's you know, it's a commitment to get there for a weekend because it's you could you could go to China. But there are people who 
are there. Obviously, there's a year-round community. It's not just people popping in and popping out. There's no. There's an incredible. There's yeah. an incredible community of people that are not just artists. Most of most of my community there is. It's it 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 change it it grows it shrinks it morphs like it people come and they go. You've, you're pr- always kind of prepared to lose the people you love most because it's a it's a it's a hard it's a hard place to live. Fifteen hundred people in the middle. This of sounds the like Millbrook, except you. Well, you live in a small town. There's like really high taxes. Yeah, I do. People talk. I do. Yeah. It's a small towns are gossipy places. People talk. It's hard. Um, so people are in and I out. can't wait to the gossip after our, our pool party when I, when I come down <laughs> next week. So let's talk about, so I, your Instagram briefly, cause I know I'm keeping you way too long. No, but, I love um, it. And I love talking about myself, Les. Um, me too. It's, we should do me next. Let's see. <laughs> I'll start a podcast. <laughs> no, it's so good. But you, the food thing, um, Andrew, my husband, um, who adores you is like, you got to ask Doug, like, how does he, how does he stay so fit? He eats so much barbecue. I'm like, I don't know if he's eating everything that he's photographing, yeah. but I'm like, he does love to eat. So maybe yeah. he is barbecue, spaghetti, love it. Caviar. I mean, in, you, I mean, when, who does it? When with Martha. Yeah. It's a Martha I thing. Do does it. she do, what does she do? Like, but she, does it like, does she do the usual presentation like blinis and no, or she, but like omelets, what is she, I mean, what's her? So we were, I was with her over this past weekend and um, dinner was incredible. She made homemade borscht. So I asked Doug what kind of thirst traps she yeah. cooked up. Oh, you probably could take some great pictures of her doing different thirst traps. We have. We've had fun together. I'm sure. I mean, um, she's, I, in, she's an incredible woman. She is so inspired and she's a good friend. Like she's a good, solid friend she came to stay with me and marfa a few years ago and and we're like we're we're good friends and but i was still nervous that you know well because you probably want to make sure that you know thinking she only likes good things good things but i'm thinking like i'm not thinking about my friend martha coming to visit i'm thinking about martha stewart is coming to my house like, do I hire a cleaning lady every day? Do I have a catered? What do I? And then I was like, you know, she's my friend. Just do it the way you would do. It. Like anyone would show up. And we have the most fun weekend in in Marfa with our, you know, her, our friend Kevin Sharkey. And at the end of the trip, she goes, "I just want to thank you so much." She goes, "No one ever invites me to their home to come stay because they're all afraid to have me." So this meant the world to me. I'm happy to have her. Loved it. You know, I mean, I know that, She's you know, great. I mean, so how does she serve caviar? We had dinner and we had cold beet soup and then she baked some potatoes and she takes oh. these potatoes like in a rag and then she smashes it as hard as she can on the counter and the potato just kind of like splinters apart and then she fills it with sour cream, butter and like as like literally tablespoons of caviar thrown. oh my and it's god the most oh my god and the thing is though it's you're eating this like on a bar stool in the kitchen like at the counter like it's not it's this high low it's and again it's it's not lost on me that it's an incredible privilege to have access to those things and she does and she doesn't have to be apologetic about having because she she worked so hard oh, she did. 
And if she wants, if she wants to put four tablespoons of caviar in my baked potato, then she should be allowed to do that, and I'll enjoy it. I won't apologize for it. It's great, and and that's how she likes to do it. And it's easy. She's not making you revere the moment, you know, with the with the bone spoon. And here's right. Eggs well, I'm happy you. to bring the potatoes <laughs> down to Marfa and, just, and know, the I po- caviar. I, po- I posted some pictures of of it, and the internet. It can be a hard, it can be a rough, rough place. Oh, stop it. Were people giving you a hard time about the Yeah, caviar? there's a lot. There's a, I make the mistake. I make the mistake sometimes of like reading the comments. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. A lo- there's a lot of, there's a lot, I'll say there's a lot of support. I'm, I'm aware that. Can't you take those people off? Yeah, I do. I delete. People say mean things. It's not, it's, it's there, but a majority of it is positive. I'm, I'm. I I love I love folk I love Instagram I love using it I love pushing the information out there because I'm aware of the response that it has like I was in just last week I was leaving I was working in Hawaii and I was leaving we were sitting at the restaurant with the crew and the waiter slips me a note and I open the note and it's this handwritten note and it's like I just want to say I love what you do you bring so much joy to my life it's changed my like the sweetest sweetest thing and I don't know who it comes from. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm walking to the... I thought you were going to be like, he's like, I'm in room 410. <laughs> I went. <laughs> <laughs> and so as I'm, as I'm leaving the restaurant, this woman and her friend, she's like, I wrote that. And she's crying. Stop it. And she's telling me how much joy I bring to her day and how inspired she is by the things that I post and how I see the world. And it... And she was she was crying. She was kind of give you a hug, and I was like, "It was so." This is that's amazing, Doug. That's like, a great. I'm just Doug Friedman from the Upper West Side taking pictures. And what did you tell me that Snoop Dogg calls you the D? Dougie Fresh. Dougie Fresh. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're just Dougie Fresh. Just Dougie Fresh, and so it's moments like that that I remember more than. The people that are trolling and saying, well, obviously the people that are doing that like, are not. Is there a know. little, like maybe sometimes it show off, but most of it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the things that I'm doing. I'm proud of the way that, you know, I've, I've built this life. I'm proud of the friends that I have. Yeah. And I just, I want to put yeah. beautiful things out Yeah, I mean, as you should. And that, by the way, that's also your art. You know, you're sharing the photographs. You're not yeah. just... Do you know what I mean? You're not just, you know, talking about the Well, I'm also curating caviar. that picture is a lot of work. That that one picture of a bowl of spaghetti meatballs takes some time. Okay, speaking of that, so I'm I'm keeping you way over our poor friend Max in, in the booth over there. He's just he's a man who knows too much. He's been sitting there like, God, these two <laughs> yucking it up over here. Um okay, favorite meal, real fast. Oh, um, his favorite meal is. is, is oh my God, this is almost like we're playing. He just not, he almost jumped out. My, of his fa- chair. my, my, fa- I, my favorite meal is poached eggs. Stop I love, it! I love poached eggs in a bowl of oatmeal with a lot of salt and a lot of pepper. Okay. And a, more butter on that toast than should be on that. Um, toast. Favorite city. That's. Can it be my favorite city as of this moment? Because mm-hmm. it's it's an, it's an evolving thing. But I am weirdly into El Paso, Texas right now. Oh, interesting. So I've been trying to spend a night on either end of my trips to Marfa and El Paso. 
Because you'll fly, you were saying you can connect and go to El Paso and then drive the three hours. Which is the preferred. So that's where I should go when I yeah. invite myself You could come to El Paso, then leave through Austin. Okay. You could do a whole, but I like El Paso. Um, favorite or best beach, in your opinion, Mystique. in the world? It's called Macaroni Beach mm. in Mystique. Um, favorite hotel, favorite hotel pool. Ooh, well, okay. My favorite hotel pool is the standard in Miami. Okay. Yeah. That is probably, that is a great, I mean, the rooms, it's kind of like being at camp, but the vibe, the pool, it's just, it's so easy to be there. So I would say that's my favorite hotel. I'm, 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 I'm a creature of habit. I, I stay at the standard in Miami. I stay at the standard in New York city. I stay at the Lermitage in. Do you stay in hotels now when you come, you don't stay at Karen and Gino's? I live in, no. They (laughs) they offered that once and I was like, why do I feel like I'm 16, but I'm 50? It's not, I I like hotels. Oh, you should. I I mean, I'm not, yeah. 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 So yeah, this, I'm, I'm a fan of, of the, and like, I've just started, you know, I kind of bounce between the, the Chelsea Hotel, Hotel Chelsea in New York, which is great. I like the ones. What's your L.A. What's your L.A. hotel? It's called Lermitage. Oh, it's yeah. It's a really quiet kind of. Isn't it West well, Hollywood? That's Petite Hermit Lermitage. Oh, okay. Lermitage is this old school hotel on Burton Way in Beverly Hills. It's all suites. Like they embroider your initials on the pillow. Oh, amazing. And it's, you know, there's underground parking. So like people that don't want to be, there's no scene there. There's no, there's, it's just, it's really great service. But I had a friend that did PR and during the pandemic, they, they were kind. They were like, well, they would, they gave me kind of like a a room for very little, which is how I could afford to stay at this all suites, fancy hotel. And they've continued with this very generous. You have a special rate? So special. Well, Well, let maybe then. It was a residency at first. So it was basically. Oh, like, because did is, you stay there? Is, yeah. Well, I, would, I was there you, a lot. And then you were in Marfa. You were in Marfa for a lot, Marfa right? for yeah. three months. And then, well, Texas opened early. I mean. They were like, let's get I back to that. business, I love Texas, that. I love that. Which I thought was kind of the, well, let's not get into it. But um, the Lermitage is great. And the, seeing they, they're so kind. And I like these hotels because I spend so much time in hotels. I, it's just nice when the people that work there seem to like the work that they're doing there. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I know that I know that I know I know my cleaning ladies, I know the valets, I know the receptionists. It's like your cheers. It's your cheers. Names it's your all cheers. the hotels I stay at. And so it's just it's just nice to be when there's so little consistency in a schedule in a life that when my Well, I mean, even getting you in here. I mean, you're you've got like We try. You've got a lot. Well, listen, I'm so glad it worked out this way and not by well, I'm on with. I know I was going to send. I was going to send <laughs> Doug microphones in Hawaii, which also meant we had to do different time zones, and I didn't get to see you for two hours. This is better. Um, it's so much better. But um, well, I, I mean, just when I thought I knew it all, I mean, I did know things that, about you that even you forgot. Um, but it's just so great to hear, you know to be reminded of your story and all the things 20, you've accomplished. 25 years later, Les? No, us or yeah, your work? us. No, I'm, I'm 49. 30. I was 18 when I met you, so 31. Oh, shit. 31 years in September. Wow. I know, the party on the rock. Anyway, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I mean, you are, um, 
such a talent and you're, I don't, as I mentioned, I don't know how to get back on Instagram. I'm sure there's a simple (laughs) way to fix this and I'm going to have to figure it out with the podcast because I'm working on that right now. My, my professional Instagram, but, um, I do get to live vicariously through Andrew's Instagram to see all your incredible pictures. So let's get you back. Um, I'll be back and I look forward to the photos you'll be taking of me. Yeah. And I've got these new bait, this new bathing suit. That's like a, Spanx meta his friends of mine started it and so it's got like a belt it's sort of like you know kind of like the mom it's actually not like the mom jeans it's pretty chic um what is it called skimmist I think it's my friend Joanne King and and um Chrissy McCurdy's line hold on a second I'm gonna tell you right now should we have a pool party skimmist well that's what I'm thinking skim wait it skims Skims is Kim well, Kardashian's. That's where. Do you, oh, remember you told me that she was. I remember you telling me that she was just incredible to me. Like you felt like you were really in the presence of a, a, a real force being around Kim. I'm gonna she was like fun. Him. I mean, I remember shooting her at her house, and like just sitting on the kitchen counters eating burritos, with her. Okay, it's a sh- okay stylist is and actually they patented the system because there's a bra. Inside the bathing suit. I'm going to send you this. This is an article about them in Womenware. Um, but it's, this is her, this is their It stuff. kind of holds you in. And Joanne was an editor at Harper's Bazaar before she. What's her name? Joanne King. <laughs> and um, anyway, I'm going to send this to you because this is what I'm going to wear. And I have a great cover up. Oh. And out- you can. Strong outfits are encouraged in West Texas. Okay. Well, I'm going to send this to you now. And hats. Okay, I've got it all. All right, so to be continued, um, love you. Love seeing you. Love hearing about all the things I didn't know um, were going on. Um, Good luck editing this down. And just can't, what's that? Good luck editing this down. (laughs) No no kidding. Poor Max. It's like the scene of airplane. airplane. (laughs) Max is in the the booth ready to hang himself from the rafter. Can of gasoline. I mean, (laughs) he's got a match. Somebody's walking by with a lighter. Um, All right. To be continued. Love you. Love you. That brings us to the end of this episode of the interview. A huge thanks again to Douglas Friedman for joining us. We hope you learned a little something and had some fun along the way. And as always, thanks for listening to the interview. If you enjoy the show, I hope you'll subscribe, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at The Interview with Leslie Heaney. A new podcast is released every Wednesday. And until then, this is Leslie Heaney. And don't forget to join the interview.